0: Your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 12, the Gospel of Luke chapter 12. Today, I believe, built into most people is a desire to succeed. I believe most people at their core have a desire to be successful, and I, I think that is really pretty standard in our programming. We would rather win as opposed to lose. We would rather do well as opposed to doing poorly. We would rather succeed as opposed to failing. And I believe that is part of our human makeup. And I'll just tell you today, believe it or not, I think that is a good thing. I think that is a positive thing. In fact, I believe that is how God intends us to be. We are very heavily Success driven. Recently I heard a discussion and it followed that a lot of our problems today, a lot, of the, a lot of the stress that we have today, the anxiety that we have in our culture today is the result of the fact that we are too success driven. And, and the discussion went, well, we've got all these problems and, we, and we're consumed with all these issues. And it's because in our culture today, in our world today, we are too success-driven. Maybe we push ourselves too hard. And then the discussion went on and said, you know what? We're especially pressing our kids too hard. And we're expecting them uh, to be success-driven as well. And I guess the premise of the conversation is that maybe we need to let up a little bit. or or that maybe we need to relax a little bit, or or maybe we need to lower the bar, we need to lower the standard some. Well, again, I will tell you today, I believe the problem is not the drive to succeed. I think that is from God. But rather, I believe the problem is a definition of success that is not from God. Now listen to that again. I want you to hear that again. I believe the problem is not a drive to succeed. I think God puts that in us. I think that is from God. I think the problem is, however, a definition of success that is not from God. And I'll just tell you this morning, I know that our world would be, and for sure our church would be, and for sure we would be a lot different if we use God's definition of success, If we were striving for God's standard of success. Today, Hillary Clinton, she's a former United States Senator, former Secretary of the State. She's now running for President. She's on the news about every 10 minutes, every day. Uh, she has a net worth of 31.3 million dollars. And you might say, man, now that has to be success. Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod, 14-time All-Star, three-time American League MVP, won a World Series, has a net worth from playing baseball, $300 million. Man, that has to be success. Leonardo DiCaprio, an actor. Been in a whole host of, of big movies. You've seen a bunch of them. He's, he's won three Golden Globe Awards. He's been nominated for six Academy Awards. He has a net worth of $245 million. He's never worked, he just acts. Man, that has to be success. $245 million? That's success. Then it starts to get really big. Oprah Winfrey, TV media empire, has her own TV channel now on on cable. Uh, Everybody knows her by her first name. Can you imagine that? Worldwide, she is known by her first name. She has a net worth of $3 billion. Man, that has to be success. Then there's big-time Donald Trump. Real estate, empire, TV show. He gets to fire everybody on his TV show. Uh, Think about this. He's running for a house, the White House, that's smaller than his normal house. (laughs) Has a net worth, if, if you can guess it, I don't know, it's hard to pin him down. Has a net worth of four and a half billion dollars. He will tell you himself he is a success every day. Bill Gates, broke college student, starts off, founds Microsoft. Estimates say he has a net worth of, listen to this, $79.3 billion. Surely he has to be the winner. Surely He has to be the picture of success. Listen to me today. All of these people, all of these accolades, all of these accomplishments, accomplishments, all of these stacks of money, guess what? That's not success by God's standard. That's not success by God's definition. Our message today is entitled, Significant Success. Significant success. Success. We're going to be in Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 13 through 21. Again, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 12, beginning here in the 13th verse, says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, Be aware, and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do? since I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And Now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come today and I'm thankful for you. I praise you today. I worship you today. I exalt you today. Our Creator God, our Sustainer, our through Christ Redeemer and our Savior. I, I come and just tell you, we love you today. I pray that you would know our collective hearts today. We worship you in this hour. We come now, and I am thankful that you give us your word to instruct us. I pray now that you would teach. I pray that you would lead. I pray that you would train. And I pray that today we would have your definition of success. I pray that we would, again, leave here not the same as when we came in. I pray for some in this hour that do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I believe maybe you brought them into this hour. I know to hear the truth of your word. And I know it's your will that none should perish. And so I believe that again this hour, it's your will that they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Move in our midst. Again, we just come and with open hands tell you we love you. We submit to you. We praise you. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Today's question is this, if our drive for success is not wrong, but rather our definition of success is, then what does true success look like? And that's the question we're going to look at today. That's what we're going to look into God's word to try to arrive at an answer. How would you truly, biblically define success? Now, let me just start off today. Let me go ahead and say this you need to get this. We need to get this. Maybe you're sitting there and you're feeling all stressed out, and maybe it's because you do not have the correct definition of success. Maybe you're sitting there and and in the circumstance of life you're feeling like a failure. You're feeling like a loser. Perhaps it's because you do not know biblically what success looks like. Maybe you're sitting there and you feel discontented in your life. You feel dissatisfied with your life. Well, I want to tell you, there's pretty good odds that you're chasing something other than godly success. And so let me just tell you, this is a big deal today. We need to get this today. If we do, we'll be changed. If we do, man, our church would change. And I'll just tell you, as we chase after what God built for us to do, He will be glorified. Man, things would change if we get this. As always, let's go and let's see what the Bible says. Let's begin today in verse 13. It says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher... Tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Now be sure to understand today, the context of the verse plays a very big part in us being able to understand this verse. The context of the verse plays a very big role in us grasping this man's request. Now remember, Jesus has been talking to a very large crowd. The Bible tells us he has been talking to them about very serious, grave, eternal matters. Remember, he has been telling them that their eternities will be decided based upon what they believe about the truth of Jesus Christ. That's a big subject, that's a deep subject. He's been telling them, Your eternities will be decided based upon what you believe of who he is. He says, Either by faith, They're going to receive Jesus as their Lord and because of that faith they're going to confess that or they're going to fail to realize who Jesus is and in so doing that they're going to deny the truth of the gospel. And then he tells them what they hold, what they believe about Jesus will decide their eternity. Now get the gravity of that. He's not saying, hey, here's a good way to have a good year He's not saying, hey, here's a good way to have a nice little home or to have a good life. He is saying, here's what all of your eternity is going to be staked on. More than that, he tells them, if that's not serious enough, he is the one who has the authority that upon their rejection of the truth to cast them into hell. That's what the previous verses tell us. And so he's talking about grave matters. He's talking about eternal matters. He's he's telling them, you know what? I'm the one who has the authority to cast you into hell. Now, listen to me today. Get this that is huge, that is astounding. You are actually with the Messiah. You are with the foretold anointed of God. You're standing there in the presence of the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament Scripture. You're there with the sought-after Savior of mankind. You're there with the righteous judge who has the authority to cast into hell. And then this guy says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Basically, he says this, Teacher, tell my brother to give me my money. Can you imagine that? He's talking about the, the gravity and, and, the, and the profoundness of eternity and the, and the decision that's going to decide all of eternity. He's revealed himself as the Messiah, the righteous judge, who has the authority to cast into hell. And this guy says, Teacher, can you tell my brother to give me my money? Now we laugh at that, we might scoff at that, but you know what verse 13 shows us? What verse 13 shows us is this, even in the midst of serious, eternal things, people have a worldly focus. Let me tell you something, today it's no different Today, 90% of Wheelbarger County is not in anybody's church. You know why they have a different focus? I want to tell you very honestly, today, 40% of the membership of Calvary Baptist Church did not come to assemble with us and to worship our living Savior, Jesus Christ. You know why? Most likely they have a different focus. Those of us that are here, you know what, we go through life and and we interact with people and we sit with people and we we work with people and we walk with people and a whole bunch of them are, are suffering and a whole bunch of them are separated from God and we're surrounded by eternal things and yet we're focused on a worldly focus. We're no different. We're just as mistaken. Look at verse 14. But he said to them, now that he's Jesus, but Jesus said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Now, see this here in verse 14. This man has misunderstood the ministry of Jesus. Now, that's a big deal for him. That was a big deal in that time. That's a very common thing in our time. This man has misunderstood the ministry of Jesus. Think about this. He is trying to fit Jesus' ministry to his worldly focus. And that's what he's done. He's tried to adapt and he's, he's tried to fit Jesus' ministry to his worldly focus. And very simply, he's tried to make Jesus a worldly, earthly fix. Jesus says, Man, who appointed me a judge? or arbitrator over you. Jesus says, and this is my translation, man, that's not why I came. Verse 14, Jesus is revealing to us, and be sure and catch this today. He's showing us here very clearly. His mission is not the world's mission. There's a whole lot of people that want to make His mission the world's mission. His mission's not the world's mission. His court is, is not the world's court. He just said he's going to be the righteous judge, but his court's not the world's court. He's telling us here his judgment is not the world's judgment. Now get this, he's telling us here his kingdom is not this world's kingdom. I think about this guy, it's really a pretty sad thing. What a missed opportunity that this man had. This this man could have said, oh, I'm a sinner separated from God. And Jesus would have said, I'm your Savior. This man could have said, oh, I'm caught up in the price of my sin, a price that I cannot pay. And Jesus would have said, I'm your Redeemer. This man could have said, Oh, I'm I'm suffering in the stress and the sorrow of the things of this world. And Jesus would have said, I came that you would have peace. But instead, he says, Help me secure this world's money. And Jesus says, That's not why I came. That's not success. Look at verse 15. Then he said to them, Beware, and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance, does his life consist of his possessions. Listen to that again. Jesus says to him, Beware, and be on your guard against every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance, does his life consist of... Of his possessions. Now, right here in verse 15, there's a very profound truth. In fact, verse 15 really is the point to the whole section. See this today. Jesus says, Take note, beware, be on guard that you do not miss the true standard of of success. Jesus says here, be aware here, take guard here, that you do not invest all of your days, days that you're not getting back, in something that's never going to pay off. Jesus says here, be on guard, lest you chase after something that even if you get it, is going to result in emptiness. And he says, for not even when one has all that he can accumulate. It says in abundance, he says that is not what makes up a successful life. Very clearly, your life doesn't consist of your possessions. 2,000 years ago, today as well. That is backwards logic. Do you see that then, today as well? That is backwards logic. You see, the world today says that success is more. And you look at it, how does it define success? And you, and you start to figure out what is the meaning of success? Very simply, the world says success is more. And if you're going to be successful, then you're going to need more. And in your life, your life's not good enough. Your life's missing something, and you need more in your life if you're going to be successful. In your relationships, you need more in your relationships, or you need a different relationship, or you just need a relationship, and you need more in your relationship that you might be successful. In your job, you need more in your job. You need a better pay in your job. You need something else in your job, and, and more in your job would be success. And all the stuff you accumulate, more stuff is success. More hobbies. You need more things to do. More on your reputation. And look at this. We're going through life and we are discontented because the measure of success is more. And look at me. It is never enough. If we could just get more, we'd be successful. Donald Trump doesn't have enough. It's not the measure of success. How many people? can say, and I'm talking honestly, I know Jesus and he is enough. Then what does your life say? How many people, it's, it's I need Jesus and. Oh, if I can just get this thing fixed or if all oh, this will work out, I need Jesus and. And. Or I need Jesus, but I need Jesus, but I need this thing to turn around. I wonder how many of us could say, I have Jesus Christ, and I am satisfied in Jesus Christ. What would your life say? Jesus then tells a story to make his point. Let's look at that. Verse 16. And he told them a parable. He's going to tell them a story story to make his point. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man was very productive. That's probably not out in Ford County. Verse 17, and he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Now his land is productive He's produced a bumper harvest. He's got more than he can even put up. His his issue begins to be, what should I do since I have no place to store my crops? Now, I think it's interesting here, that one phrase. He began reasoning with himself. It it means, and I went and looked up that phrase. I was interested in what it was meaning here. It means that he was thinking, relying upon his logic. Literally, it, it means in the Greek, He kept thinking to himself. He kept rehashing it to himself. Now, let me tell you something. A lot of my life's problems have come from the fact that I've wanted to operate according to my logic. And I can rehash it, and I can rehash it, and and I can start to put my influence into it, and I'll end up with my way, and I'll end up with my will. And I'll just tell you, a lot of my mistakes, a lot of my troubles in life have become that I've used my logic Listen to me, I can justify a whole lot of dumb stuff. Carrie, she was in the first service, she'll tell you that. This is not a good idea, give me a couple days and I'll rationalize it and I'll have it as a good idea. And that's what this man was doing. He He was reasoning, using his logic to make his decision. Look at verse 18. And then he said, here he comes with an answer. This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. Now verse 18, notice this in verse 18. The world's idea of success is more. Here in verse 18, this man just buys into the world's definition of success. He has barns. He needs more barns. He has big barns. He needs bigger barns. He says, I've got goods and grains. When I finish this up, I'm going to have more goods and grains. And here in verse 18, he commits to the world's definition of success. Now, be honest here. We we operate according to that standard. We, We operate according to the world's definition of success. When you read that, doesn't it sound like a good idea? That's his security. That's his his future. I've got some stuff and I've got plenty of stuff and I'll build places and I'll, I'll stack it up and it sounds like a pretty wise thing to do. I'll have security and it'll be in my barns and it'll be full of my goods. And it sounds like pretty reasonable logic. That's the logic of the world. Look at verse 19. And I will say to my soul, Now the word soul here is referring to the inner person or the the true person. And so really it's referring to his self. And you could put the word self there. And so it, it could say this, And I will say to myself, Self, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be married. Now see this here in verse 19. According to the world's definition of success. He has arrived. His barns are full. His granaries are overflowing. But then we start to see something here. Really, the the real goal here is to be at ease. The real goal here is to eat and to drink and to be merry. That is the real goal of the world's success. It's not having a bunch of grain. It's not having a bunch of money. It is the security that you think you have in the world's goal. It's the happiness that you supposedly will have when you can eat and you can drink and you can be merry and be at ease. I think it's interesting here the Greek verb tense is in the continual tense. And it, what it means is this this man, he can eat, and man, he can keep on eating. It means he can drink, and he can keep on drinking. It means that he can can be merry and that he can keep on being merry. And it means this he's not only arrived at worldly success, he is now secure in the world's success. Very telling words here. He has many goods for many years. He is now secure in the world's definition of success. Listen to that. He has many goods. Now for many years, those words will soon ring hollow. Verse 20. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? A fool is a person who operates unwisely. A fool is a person who operates foolishly. Well, God says to this man, you fool. You missed it. You spent your life to accomplish your goals. You you set your life to accomplish your goals and you did it. You pulled it off. You are successful. But the problem here is it was the wrong goal. And he says, you are a fool. How empty. How hollow. You go by this man's place and there's the big barns and there's the big granary and there's there's the stacked up goods that he has and there's the measure of wealth. And and not only that, it's not wealth for today, but it's, it's security for the future. And there he has all this stuff and there he is. And God says of that man, you fool. It was the wrong goal. Verse 21. And so is the man. Now that phrase there ties in the meaning of the parable to our truth today. And so is the man, a fool. And so is the man, a fool who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Verse 21 reveals this. And be sure and understand this today. It's not the accumulation of possessions that matter, but rather it is possessing eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not the pursuit of temporary that brings security, but it's the pursuit of the only thing that will bring security. It's not a life of comfort that will be rewarded, but rather it is a life that confesses Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior that will bear a reward. And the truth is that is God's definition of success. Friends, we need a new definition of success. comes down to this. Very personal. Which definition of success are you following? Which definition of success are you chasing? To which of the two systems... Are you committed? Two weeks in a row, it comes down to this. Very simple questions. To what are you committed? Two weeks in a row, what is your priority placed in? Two weeks in a row, and the big question is this. Will you be obedient to God? Rich towards God. Let's pray. Father, we come, and I'm thankful for your truth, and I'm thankful for your word, and I'm thankful that you lead us through it, and and I come, and as I hear it, I'm I'm convicted that we as a people, we as a church, and we as individuals, we get distracted, and we start to buy into the world's concept of, of, oh, I need more, and not just in wealth, especially in wealth, but oh, and everything else, we're discontented. I need more in my life and I need more in my relationships and I need more in my comfort and more in my hobbies and we're consumed with the world's definition of success. Forgive us for that. Cleanse us of that. Change our hearts, dear God. Then give us the true definition of success, being rich towards you, laying up treasures in heaven that neither rock, moth will come in and eat up or rust will destroy Help us to be obedient. Come and I pray thanking you for this. I pray again that you have have taught us, have spoken. I know that you have. I pray that you continue to speak. I pray for some here and they would come and say, you know what, I'm not committed to Christ because I don't have a relationship with Christ. I can't commit to him. I don't even know who he is. And I pray that for them especially, that today they might put their faith in Christ. Pray for a good number of us here that do know Christ, but yet we've we've gone the wrong direction. Restore us. I pray that we will be changed today having come into contact with this truth. Dear God, help us to be obedient. I ask that you would move, that you would work. Pray that decisions will be made at this time. i trust it to you. And I pray in my Savior's name, in Jesus' name, amen. We're going to end our service, as we do all of our service, with a time of response, a time to respond to the truth of God's Word. This is not just information, but it solicits from us a response. And first off, maybe you're here, and I'll and I just tell you, I believe there's some in this room that do not have a relationship with Christ. And, and they hear this, and they say, man, I'd like to have a purpose like that. Man, I'd like to serve something greater than myself like that. Man, I've messed up. I've gotten off track, and I'm too far gone, and I've I've blown my relationship with God. I want to tell you, the starting place is this. Through Christ, you're redeemed. You're restored. You're renewed. And I believe there's some here today that say, you know what, I've broken my relationship with God because of my sin. And I long for hope and I long for peace. I want to tell you, the good news of the gospel is this. By faith in Christ, you can have all that. And maybe you're here today, and I believe God brought you to this point to hear it. You know what, through Christ, you can have a clean slate. Through Christ, you can have a repaired relationship with God. Through Christ, you can have a renewed mission that, that you get up and I serve an eternal purpose. It starts with you putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here today and God's speaking to you right now, and I pray that He is. Now, I would just ask in a few moments, we're going to stand and sing a hymn of invitation, that you would come and you'd say, man, I want to settle this today. I don't want to waste another day and settle it today. i put Jesus the spot of my life is Lord and by faith I receive him today you come and you meet me here at the front in just a moment, settle it today settle that today, don't leave here without it settled. maybe you're here and you say yes I am a Christian and I understand who Christ is and what he's done but I've never fought in believer's baptism after I knew what that was and the Bible says it's always after salvation and it's by immersion to show people what you believe of Jesus that, that he did go in a grave dead and he came out of that grave alive resurrected and you believe that of Jesus but it's also a picture of what's happened to you your old self has died and your new self now lives with Christ Jesus and there's some of you here today that need to say No, I want to be obedient and I want to drive down that stake and I want to be, I want to be marked as a follower of Christ and so in obedience to what he said I want to be baptized someone said well that's not a big deal I want to tell you Christ said it is a big deal so in just a moment, you would come and say, yes, I'm a Christian. I want to follow in believer's baptism. We'll set that up. Maybe you'd come and say, I'm looking for a church home, and I've prayed about it. I believe God's led me here, and I want to serve here. I'd invite you to come as well and say, you know what? I want, I want to be a member here, and I want to serve Christ at Calvary Baptist Church. You come, and you take care of that as well. Maybe you just want to come and say, man, I've messed up. Man, I'm off track. Maybe you want to pray at an altar. Maybe you want to pray with me, God, I want my priority to be your priority. And I want to do something that matters not in a bank account, but what matters in the accounts that one day will be settled in the throne of glory. Use me like that. We're not in a hurry to get anywhere. We're already late. No, No rush to be anywhere. This is our time to respond to God's truth.